many is glad this morning that Jesus has came into their heart. Okay. I hope it's more of us in here that is glad that Jesus has come into our heart. We have what the world doesn't have. You understand that? I understand there could be some of us who aren't happy this morning, but you should be filled with the joy of the Lord because Jesus, the Creator, the Word of God says, God spoke, He created with His Word. John starts off his Gospel by saying that Jesus is the Word. Jesus created everything. He created the very heart that if you're saved this morning, He now indwells. You want to know what separates us from the world? It isn't our actions. It isn't what we've done. It isn't our reputation. It's that God has entered a dwelling. Amen. He's taken this heart of flesh, this heart of stone, and, and given us, the word says, a heart of flesh. We have been made the temple of God. In the Old Testament, he's giving judgment to Israel, saying that she, he, he abhorred the very offerings that he established in Exodus. He says, you give me burnt offerings, you give me tithe, you give me everything that you're supposed to give me, you've given me everything but your heart, and I don't like it. He said, but don't worry, there's coming a time. God, always looking forward to the future. Same thing we have today. We look forward to the future, the second coming of Christ. But God said there's coming a day, Brother Roger, that I'm not going to dwell in houses built by man's hands, but I, that I'm going to dwell in everyone who believes on the Son. Amen. We can be excited about that this morning. We can be happy. At least in that, you say, you don't know my circumstance. It doesn't matter. Your circumstance is going to be here until God moves in that circumstance. But what hasn't changed this morning is that God is in you if you're here and you're saved this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, continuing in the book. I want to read this morning and pray, and then we will get into the Word of God. I'm so thankful to be here. This morning with you. First Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll read verses 10 through 12. We're going to cover the first 12 verses today. First Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, reads like this You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you, believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, verse 12, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Lord, as we break open Your Word, as we seek to know more of You this day, Lord, I ask that You move upon us that are here, Lord, the ones who 
aren't here, O God. It's Your Word who says that You and You alone know the heart of man. Lord, I ask that You move upon that heart, that You give us eyes to see, that You give us ears to hear. Lord, that we hear a better message than even I have prepared for us today. Lord, use me, this earthen vessel made of clay, Lord, and let Your Spirit speak out. Let me be Your mouthpiece for You this day. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. We started the book of First Thessalonians last week. We gave uh, a background and a history. If you weren't here or, or you've missed that message, it's online for us through our podcast. And, and we're live again now, so you can find it on Facebook. Go back and listen to, uh, to that message, and, and we'll continue verse by verse, passage by passage, till we get through God willing, Second Thessalonians. I want to combine both of them because they're, they're kind of rapid, rapid fire. Uh, Paul is now in Corinth. He's stationed in Corinth. We covered that last week, and, and he sends Timothy to to check on the church in Thessalonica. Timothy comes back. We remember from last week, and we get First Thessalonians. And, and very quickly, within months, there's a there's a return letter, obviously, with more questions and. Paul writes Second Thessalonians, and it's all covering the same thing, the second coming of Christ, which we're excited about first and second Thessalonians. There's other places in the Bible, but first and second Thessalonians gives us the most detail that we have in the Bible about what is going to happen when Christ comes back. And the Word of God says He's came once and He came as a lamb. He came not to judge, but to save those who were lost. But the word, same Word says that He is coming back again, not as a lamb, but a lion of Judah, a king of kings and a lord of lords to righteously judge both the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. No one, listen to my words this morning, no one gets out of the judgment of God. No one escapes the judgment of God. But just as we've read, I love the continuity of the Word of God, just as we read in our Sunday school this morning, there is those, we'll use what the Bible calls them, as the church who have been judged already. Thank God for that. But listen, you didn't get out of judgment. Because continue reading. No, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are called by His name. But there's a judgment to come. Read Revelation. You will be judged by what you did with God. Even the church. What are you doing this morning that is furthering the kingdom of God? What are you doing today in your life, Christian, that is glorifying your Father? Because judgment is coming, and no, we won't be judged like the world, but we will be judged. How sad it's going to be, even for the redeemed, as God has given out these rewards and these blessings, and He gets to you, and you have nothing to give Him. I, I, I don't deserve even what I've had, but as Brother Matt has said several times, and it's my heart's cry, too, it should be the heart's cry of the believer. I, I, want to, I want to present something to Him that day. I know the Word says that I, I won't have anything except for what He's done for me. I can stand there hopefully one day 
and at least give testimony of what He's done for me and what He's allowed me to do in His kingdom. In this letter, the, the Apostle Paul, he's, he, it's encouraging. He's encouraging the believers in Thessalonica to live a life that is worthy of God's calling. And, and that is this morning the thought of this message, living a life worthy of God's calling on your life. You say, well, I, I, I'm not a minister. I, I, I don't do this. I don't do that. You have a calling on your life. The day you were saved, the very Spirit of God infilled you, living inside of you, and you were set apart, is what the Word of God says. You were separated from the world. You were pulled out of darkness and put into light, and you now all of us, because we're going to talk about Paul's ministry, right? Most of his letters start off with, with encouragement and accolades and prayer and, and establishing his ministry, and then he goes into it. And what we're going to find is walking worthy or living worthy to God's calling as it is in ministry. Our passage this morning, we get, to, we get a glimpse into what it was like to be ministered to by Paul. What an amazing thought that would be. But we also get insight as what it was like to be ministers with Paul. Because remember, it's not just Paul. It's Timothy and Silas as well. And he says we a lot. Think of that. The Apostle Paul who could have said I, I, I says we. Don't you remember when we come to you? Don't you remember when we were encouraging? Don't you remember when we were ministering to you? But above all of that, what a ministry team. Paul, Timothy, and Silas? but we even get a glimpse into what it was to be ministering as the church. Paul doesn't just speak of himself. He says, you are carrying on, right? Walk worthy to the calling that you've been called to. What is that calling this morning? Well, we've all been called into the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That's what we're here to do. To reconcile the world with God. You go, how in the world can I do that? You can't. But the Spirit in you can. You are the means. The church of Jesus Christ is the means by which an all-powerful God chooses to illuminate the world. He uses us, sinful people. What more glory can God get than to use the world? Paul says, so were some of you, so were some of us. We were in the world. Now we've been set apart and we've been set on fire. We're a light sitting on a hill, right? Not being hid by a bushel. You don't hide a candlestick. You, you light the whole world on fire. Anybody's ever tried to hide, hide a lit candle? If you're not careful, whatever you're hiding it with is going to burn, right? You've been a kid. Hopefully none of us have done this, right? But you, you find a a book of matches and you just start playing with it, playing with fire, right? Eventually you burn yourself because you can't help it. Flame is contagious. And given the right environment with the right situation, it'll set the whole world on fire. Every year, every year. Lightning, cigarette butt, glass bottle on the side of the road burns acres upon acres upon acres of land. And when they finally trace it back, some of it's man, some of it's man-made, some of it's malicious, but most of the time, how many remember last year, 
the whole or this last past year, basically all of Louisiana was on fire, right? Along with the rest of the world. And we, we're used to hearing about it in California and, and other places, but uh, Louisiana for, for about a month was just on fire. So much so that we had like smog alerts and, and you couldn't see, right? And all, and all this. And most of them, they would come back and they would do their investigation, which is an, intriguing to me how you can figure out all that. But they would say it was a glass bottle on the side of the road and the sun shone just right and it caused a spark or or how many remembers the heat lightning we had about a week ago well it it, it sparked it created fire same thing happens in the life of the believer we don't get a choice not to be on fire jeremiah he gives the god gives him the call right and he says nope not going to do that and Jer- and god's word to jeremiah is you're going to do it or I'll kill you in the street. Either way, you're going to be a witness for me. And Jeremiah's testimony after that is it was like a fire shut up in my bones, so much so that he couldn't stay quiet. So it's the same thing with that. How many has ever been like that? Maybe you're like that this morning, where God is moving in your life, and you just, for whatever reason, pride, selfishness, fear, whatever it is, you're just sitting on the Lord. The Word of God, and we'll get into it towards the end, is quenching the Spirit of God in your life. And, but there comes a point, we call it the crossroads, whatever, it comes a point where you ha- you got to make a decision. I either have to do what's happening inside of me, or i gotta, I got to get away from it. And thank God that the true Christian, we persevere. We learn through times like that, speaking to myself, it's much better. There's so much more benefit to just do what God is telling you to do. You're like, I'm scared to, to talk. I had no problem. I've always been a talker. I don't know if you could tell that with me. I had no problem one-on-one. I could find something to talk about with anybody. But getting in front of a crowd? Mm-mm. Forget that. No, uh-uh. No, I'd rather be one-on-one where I can interact with you. And, and I, I would say things like, I'll never preach. You know, like I'll never, I'm never going to do that. And it was twofold. One, I just didn't want to do it. And two, I lived with a pastor. I lived with a preacher. And I seen the responsibility in the sleepless nights and the pushing back of the plate for the flock of God and, and the sacrifice that it took. And I was like, mm-mm. No, it's much easier just to play the guitar and to sit in the crowd and, and to just blend in. Lord had different plans. And through a series, me ever watched uh, Lemony Snickets when you're growing up? Series of Unfortunate Events. It was a book. Don't know anything about the book. They made a movie. Jim Carrey was in it. Uh, but it, it's just a series of just time after time after time of just life not working out, right? And I found myself in that situation and I finally got to a point to where I was like, what is wrong? And it's just that, just the Lord. He said, I'm over here and you're over there. Come come beside me. Walk with me. Follow me. And your life will be better. Paul here is that he's encouraging and it, it unveils some of Paul's own own life. So let's read. I want to stop and I want to read 
uh, these 12 verses in context, and then we'll, uh, we'll break them down like we do. So uh, in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech as to know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. That's important there. Nor did we seek glory from men, neither from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. Did you catch that? So we could have did it, but we didn't. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having so fond an affection with, for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as to not burden any of you, we proclaimed you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God. Now, devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly, we behave toward you, brother, or brothers, believers, brethren. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. In other words, if we could summarize that, we came to you and you knew nothing. We taught the gospel. We preached the gospel. We gave of our own lives because we care for you. We showed you the way and now you are carrying on the way. So there's some things here. There's, uh, if we could, in uh, perfect preaching harmony, three perfect points. We can break this down in passages. Uh, first, what did we see both of Paul and his ministry team and the church? We're not just speaking of Paul, but we're speaking to the church. So walk worthy of the calling of God. It's easy to say that Paul did that. Amen? It's easy to say that Timothy did that. How couldn't he? He was taught firsthand by Paul. Right? He's, he's twice removed from Christ Himself. Jesus taught Paul. Paul taught Timothy. Man, that's crazy. But then we start to look at our own self and we're like, mm, I'm removed quite a bit from Jesus. There's been over 2,000 years. Right? We read in our call to worship, John said we, we, we held the Word. Like we touched Him. And, and I'm sitting here, and the best thing I have, if you want to spend the money, is some genuine leather and some paper. 
right? If I want to hold him, like this is, this is it physically, this is it. But yet it goes deeper than that. And, and Paul even said that. He said, yes, we gave you the gospel. It's the power unto salvation. It, we give you the gospel, but we gave you more than that. We gave of ourselves. And this morning, if I could, if, we, if I could just tell you one thing in order to walk worthy of the calling of God, it's a giving of oneself. It's selflessness. God Himself, Jesus said, it's wrapped up in two, two little passages. Love God with everything that you have. And then turn around and love others the same way that you love yourself. And if you love yourself enough to love God, then you'll love others, right? So first and foremost, if we are to be a church that walks worthy of the calling of God, if I am to be a Christian that walks worthy of the calling of God on my life, first and foremost, it is to share the gospel with boldness. Don't be timid about what you believe. If you truly believe that Jesus is the way, when someone asks you, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I become saved? What is it to follow God? Give them the Gospel. Speak what you believe. In other words, say what you mean, and what we'll see is mean what you say, and what we'll see towards the end of this is to walk in that way. To, to speak with your mouth boldly, proclaim the gospel of God, and then allow your actions to follow up with that. As followers of Christ, we are called to boldly share the gospel even in the face of opposition. See, Paul didn't leave that out. This is his second missionary trip. His first missionary trip, he goes through Philippi, and he establishes Philippi and go read what happens in Philippi. They don't like him there. Okay. And, and he here he is in Thessalonica saying, you, you heard what happened to us in Philippi, but yet we still showed up at your place preaching the same Jesus, preaching the same gospel, and with power, with authority. But that's not how we acted. Let the gospel stand for itself. I'm a citizen of heaven. The Bible itself says that because of the work of God, I will inherit eternal life forever and ever and ever. Amen. But that does not give me the right to lord over others. That does not give me the right to say, nanny, nanny, I'm better than you. Because Paul is also quick to say, the Word is also quick to say, don't forget that you were the world. And how are we to reach the world well, it's because I can look back and I can say, I was you. God can touch your life because He touched mine. We all have a testimony and we all use our testimony. That's why we're given that. Our experiences in this life are made manifest by the God of lights. Everything good that's happened in your life has come from God, including your salvation. And I'm to use that. And I'm to look at you. And I'm to say, God has done this in my life. But it's because of this. It's because of this Gospel. It's not because I'm worthy of anything. It's not because of my prestige. It's not because I'm just better than you. 
but it's because of this man, Jesus, who come lowly in the world, lived the perfect life, died a death in which I deserved, and then exchange gave me His life. Taking upon Him, 2 Corinthians says, taking upon Him the iniquity of the world. He was made sin who knew no sin so that I could be righteous. What better news is that? If all we did was try and strive to live like Paul, Paul said in his letters, I strive to know nothing from you except Jesus and Him crucified. If we can start there. Just like how Paul and his companions share the Gospel in the face of persecution, we too are faced with daily opposition. No, we're not threatened like they were, but we still are opposed. The Word of God hasn't changed. And Jesus said that we were going to be hated because He was hated. And even though people put on a, a happy face sometimes and uh, you know listens to you or, 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 or just doesn't speak to you because they know who, who you are, we're still opposed by this world. The message that we bring is more offensive today than I believe it was then. Just because we've had century upon century, decade upon decade of just compounding, compounding goodness, salvation upon salvation upon salvation that just makes our enemy matter and matter and matter seeking whom He may devour. We're called to be bold, to be courageous in sharing the Gospel regardless of opposition in our face. The Word of God would actually say to count it all joy. When you're opposed, you went, what? Yeah, because you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. If this world is not opposing you, you need to stop what you're doing, hit your knees, and pray to an Almighty God because if they like you, something isn't right. I, just, and, and we're not talking about a day-to-day thing. We can, have, uh, we can have acquaintances, we can have friends in this world, but you're not the same. You, you're just not. Eventually, there comes a wall, there comes a line in the sand where even with some of our good friends, even with some of our family, you have to say, I, I can't go there. I can't do that with you. I can't speak that with you. I can't be in this conversation. I, I can't do the things that you do. And if you never have that conflict, you're way too worldly. (laughs) The Word of God would say to be careful. You say, well, I'm going to befriend the world uh, so that they can see Christ. Great aspiration. Wonderful prayer. Wonderful witnessing tool. But the Word of God would say to be careful because when you think that you're bleeding off to them, they're actually bleeding off to you. They're, they're giving things also. And if you're just out there on your own, quenching the Spirit in your life, doing what you think is right, and not following what God is telling you to do, there's a difference between walking through an open door and trying to knock down doors. Right? There's a difference between God saying, I've put you in this place, in this position, with this person, to to bring them into the glory of God, 
versus I'm just going to stay in the battlefield. And, and as they come by, eventually something's going to happen. Be careful how you do that, Christian. The further and further you get away from the house of God, uh, from the kingdom of God, the more you live in this world, the worse off you will be. Second thing is our conduct, our conduct should emulate God's character. So we should speak the gospel with boldness, and then our conduct, our character should emulate God's character. It does us no good to speak the good news of God and live like the world. It doesn't matter what you say. It's not fair. It's really not. But it is what it is. People, especially in this world, they're blind to the things of God. All they can see is what they can see. Why do you think that it's the way that it is? Has anybody ever thought about that? Have you ever had that prayer, Lord, why didn't you just take me? When you saved me, why didn't you just take me out of here? Man, that would be so cool. Well, guess what? You're not the only one who's thought that. Paul said the same thing. Man, I wish I could be with you. He said, my prayer is that I'm with you quickly. But he said, it's for y'all's benefit that I'm here. What does that mean? Paul is something special? No, that's not what Paul was saying. We are the means in which people see God. We are to pray for those who can't pray for themselves, the Word of God says. We are to emulate the character of God so a lost and dying world can see us and see God through us. We can boldly approach the throne room of God because of the adoption that we've been in. This world cannot. This world cannot. But they can see us. They can see an invisible God through us. So we are to emulate God's character. It's verses 3-6. through six. First Peter said this in 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Lord have mercy. We've been called to some stuff. A people for God's own possession. We're owned by God. You go, what? Yeah. Yeah, we are. And that's fine with me because he's a good master. But it continues on so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people. Those same people who we look at with disdain sometimes. You were once not a people, but now. You remember when we preached on the that little word, but? Man, it carries a lot of weight. But now... You are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now, there's that but again, you have received mercy. So why have we been set apart? To proclaim God. To proclaim His goodness. And lastly, if we're talking about working, walking worthy, living worthy to the calling of God, we have to talk about love. Because how is the world going to know that we are one of His? By the love that we have. First, for one another, but also for this world. Your neighbor doesn't just stop with the membership of this church. 
Your neighbor actually starts with the one that you're with. So whether that be boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, neighbor, treat them as you would want to be treated. Love them as you love yourself. And then it goes to your kids, then your church family, and then your work family. And it just, there's no, there's no end. So who is your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. It says first to the household of God. And that's hard enough, right? We could be honest this morning. It's kind of hard to love us all the time. Because we're still humans. But we still walk in the flesh and not in the Spirit. We still quench the Spirit that's in us from time to time. I could still get up all in my fields from time to time. And sometimes it's hard to love me. But that's not where the Word stops. First to the household of God and then everyone else. We don't get to pick and choose who we're nice to. We don't get to pick and choose who we... Love, you say, I'm supposed to love everybody, everybody. That's one of those things that me and that man sat down through our different studies and stuff. Okay, who, what does all mean? Who, who is everybody? Who, who am I supposed to love? Can I love somebody and not love somebody? No, that's, when the Word says love everybody, that's, that's the definition. Everyone. That says that we are to link up with everyone. That's the, we're not to befriend everyone, but I am to love you. What's the best way to love somebody? To pray for them. To give them the gospel. To tell them the truth. Love as God loves. Our love for others should be genuine and sacrificial. Verses 7 through 12. Paul, being a tent maker, go and do your studies. Thessalonica was under opposition. They were a brand new church. They couldn't sustain a three-minister ministry team. So they went to work. They made tents. He said, day and night I work and preach to you so you could be sustained. At least twice, because it says he, he received multiple offerings from established churches. He was being ministered to from Philippi and, and other churches. But he said, but when I come to you, I gave to you. So that you could get established and that you could give to others, right? It's not a get. It's not a get thing in Christianity. It's a give. He says to give freely. Why? Because you've been given too. We are, we are a conduit, a vessel. Every good thing that comes, we just reflect that. We're supposed to be a mirror, Right? God gives and He keeps on giving. I thought of parents. I've been a parent for six years. You say, oh, just starting? Yep, can't help it. My son's as old as he's ever been today. You know? But parents love their children like this, sacrificially, genuine. There's a genuine love when it comes to your kids. Everything else can be, it can be uh, conditional, but when it comes to your kids... That's my kid. Doesn't mean we like everything, but that's, that's my kid. Right? Be thinking of this as we close. This is how we're supposed to treat everybody. Paul here starts with the way a mother cares, and, and he finishes with the way a father cares. Okay? 
that a parent cares for their children's needs above their own. We're willing to make sacrifices for the well-being of our child, sacrifices that we wouldn't normally make, right? I'll do a lot for a lot of people. Bible says if I have two coats, give it, not a problem. I'll give you a tank of gas. I'll do a lot of things, but when it comes to my kids, there's no end. I can't physically stand right here and think going into the future of my son coming to me and telling me I need this and then me saying no. Right? I just I just can't. There's no end to the sacrifice that I would make to further the benefit of my child. Are you loving correctly? This hit me. I cried in that office preparing this message because I don't love people like that. I don't love people like I love my son. I don't love my wife like I love my son. It's different. It is, isn't it? I don't love my brother like I love my child. I don't love my mother, my father. I don't love you. I don't love anybody like I love my son. The day I got married was the happiest day of my life until they put that boy in my hand. Not, it doesn't take anything away from my wedding. Love my wife to death. You better not try and get in front of me and my wife. You try, it's, I'm going to have to pray hard to stay Christian if you try and mess up what God has put together. Right? Don't you even talk about my son. You see the difference? Do we love people like that? We all have work to do here. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Me included. Starting with me. Bible says starting with the household of God, we need to love people better. We need to love people better. This is the kind of love that, that God had for us. What did He do with His Son for us? Well, He did the one thing that I won't do. Right? You want to talk about what I won't do with my child? I'm not giving him up to be sacrificed for you. I, I'm a man and I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. But God did. God did. And He done it for me. He done it for you. He's done it for the bum on the street. For those who haven't come into the kingdom yet. For those who will come into the kingdom yet. But the Bible goes further than say that. For those who will never come in the kingdom. He gave His Son. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes back to the Father but through Him. Now imagine that. Okay, if I could guarantee that everybody would be saved ever maybe I would entertain the thought of sacrificing somebody that I really, really liked. Maybe. 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 But God, knowing all things, knowing, knowing that there would be millions upon millions upon millions of His creation that would reject the Son, still gave. He still gave. We don't love the right way. Because even in our Christian lives, I still, the tendency is still there. I'm going to love you, Brother Josh, because of what you can do for me. 
Like, I'm going to love you because you play the guitar. I'm going to love you because you can sing. I'm going to love you because you're good with kids. That's the tendency of humans is, is, to, is to give just so I can get. But what about those times when we give and we don't get anything? That's the love that this talking about right here. I love because God first loved me. Period. Whatever He gives me in return and reward from this life, blessed be the name of God. We've done some stuff in this church and and from the get-go, from the get-go, you knew we would reap no reward from that. Not on this side of heaven. We've helped people, we've sent people, we've we've given people rides and, and, and did all of this knowing they would never be a member of this church. Right? They would never tie to the ministry. They would never do any of that. But yet we did. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And my prayer is that we continue to act like that selfishly. No, selflessly. Not selfishly. Selfishly. Sacrificially. Genuine. These 12 verses here as we stand this morning teach us how to live. It teaches us how to live a life worthy of God's calling. And all of it can be summed up like this. Living this way, how does this apply to our life? Like, What is the practicality of living this way? You're telling me this morning, Pastor, that I'm going to love people and people aren't going to love me back? Yep, that's what I'm saying but you're loved by the Father of lights. And you have no idea. We talked about at the beginning of this message, those rewards that's going to be given to us in glory. You have no idea what your life is doing in the lives of others. You have absolutely no idea. But one day we're going to stand in front of the one who saved us and he's going to give us all of these rewards. And I have to believe I'm going to feel the same way I feel now. Those aren't for me. I don't, I don't deserve it. But one by one, you're going to see, we're going to know as we are known. And I believe that's some of the blissfulness of heaven is that you're just going to look across and go, my Lord, what have you done with me? What have you done with me? And the only judgment that we're going to get is that I didn't do enough. I could have done more. You can't live life like that. I can, you, we can always do more. Just work on the one thing. Lord, use me once. Use me twice. Lord, give, it's a new day. Use me. And one by one by one by one. And most of the time, what you realize, the further along I get in this, the more I realize it's just living life. It's just living life. I just, I'm given a choice and I choose God in His ways. And it really doesn't affect me in my life, but he multiplies it. What are you talking about? Hey, you want to go to a party? Nope. Why? I'm a Christian. I can't do that. Did that affect me any at all? No, it really didn't. It didn't change my future or or, or anything like that, but it plants seeds. Right? Man. Man. It's Sunday. I really don't feel like getting up. Hey, <laughs> hey, 
I really don't feel like getting up. My Lord, one of the funniest things, it's not funny because it's true, is there's this, this meme and it's this man and woman in bed and the man, the man wakes up and he said, it's Sunday, I don't, I'm not going to church, I don't feel like it. And the wife says, you have to. You have to go to church. You have to go. And, and, and the husband's like, ah, I don't know. I could just miss one day, right? Like, I don't need to go. And the wife says, you have to go. You're the pastor. Like, you have to go. But let's live our life like that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you stand behind a pulpit or if you just take up a seat. Be about the Father's business. Just love Him. Seek Him first and His righteousness, and He adds everything else to us. we got to love people right. We have to be about the Father's business. We need to proclaim this gospel. This world needs Jesus now more than ever. And it ain't going to happen, folks, by anybody other than people like us. Where are they going to go to find God? They're looking at a lot of places, and they ain't finding Him. But what they're really looking for, and they don't even know it, because I was that guy. They're looking for you. They're looking for you. Amen. These altars are open this morning. Lord, I, I thank You for Your Word for the ability to just gather in Your name, Lord, without opposition, without fear, Lord, and just proclaim Your worthiness and Your glory. Help us, O God, as Your church to be Your church, Lord, to proclaim Your truth, Your Word, Lord, with boldness, to live lives, O God, worthy of this calling that we've been called to, knowing that I can't do it in myself, but the Spirit that You have given me, Lord, that You have given me everything that I need to succeed in this kingdom, being a good citizen of the kingdom of God. Lord, let us shine like light among the darkness. Lord, use us as we've been intended to. Help us, O God, to seek You as people seek You. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen.